Welcome to season two of Been There, Done That, a pandemic survival podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Perez, and in this show, we'll be talking to some real-life experts on how to get through this time filled with unexpected changes, challenges, and feelings of hopelessness. And those experts are everyday people like you and me. Turns out we may be more prepared for this than we realize. So let's get started and see what we can relearn. Okay, so in this episode, we are super lucky to have Angela from DC uh, back with us in this episode for season two. And Angela, before I get started with the theme, which there are again, three questions. If it hasn't hit you yet, my favorite number is three. Sometimes I start it with like, so number one, and then B. Like I like to, I like to interchange numbers and letters. So don't be confused. There's only three. Um, but before we go there, I'm wondering um, if you can share like two top things that come to mind. Um, if I ask you, what do you remember from the last time that we spoke? Um, what do I remember from the last time that we spoke? I remember that. Um, I left feeling a bit hopeful. I remember thinking about the, um, yeah, I think that I remember thinking about the, the opportunity um, and the possible kind of realignment of our conversation I don't, or, or of this moment and how, you know, that, that's where we kind of landed at the end of the conversation. I don't remember necessarily how I was feeling when we were talking back then, though, back then two weeks ago. <laughs> yes. yes. Whoa, whoa, wait, let's go. We got to come back from that very far away. Way, back. way back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... You know what it, you know what I remember is that right before you and I spoke I had been having conversations with folks where I was ending and leaving them feeling really really unhopeful and sad about um the future and thinking well every day that I have these interviews it gets darker and darker yeah. in terms of like emotional like heaviness to the situation and then I talked to you and everything had changed. It was like such a like, it, it reminded me of when you jump into the pool in the shallow end and you're able to like hit the bottom of the pool and you can like then really kind of surface um, to the top faster. And, and I felt really great. We had talked about um, sort of our shared experience um, being in non-traditional sororities. Um, you talked a lot about your experiences doing direct action organizing and how the sort of being prepared and having to get ready for all the scenarios and putting things on the line um, for the sake of, of changing policies, attitudes, culture, um, was really helping to prepare potentially for this moment, that direct action organizers might be the most prepared both to continue to organize and adapt um, to this time, but also just like the day-to-day -day in the prep you know, of having to think about the worst case scenarios of a direct action uh, sort of moment and that maybe that's what's happening now. But actually that, that gets me to a, my first non-question question. So this is not <laughs> part of the three, but yes. this just got me thinking. Are you, are you thinking about that? Like, are you having conversations, however limited or long, or thoughts in your head about the current situation and its worst, worst case scenarios? Are you going there? Or are you trying not to go there? Um, <clears throat> I, I think it's it's both. Mm -hmm. I am. I'm definitely going there in the sense of you know, I'm thinking a lot about um, from a, a imagination, storytelling, future, even like Afrofuturistic um, narratives, and like um, thinking about how um, I'm trying to read um, Parable of the Sower by um, Octavia Butler and that's that it, it takes place in a sort of like not quite post-apocalyptic but like post like major like societal breakdown moment in 2024 um and just wait I, I read this book a really long time ago yeah, and I, I I know that yeah. it's in this like dystopic you know yeah. um environment but I it's forgot the year it's yeah. 2024 right oh keep going Holy S-H-I-T is Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Right. 
And so, so I, um, you know, and I read, um, I read a couple of other of Octavia's readings and also Octavia's Brood, um, which is a collection of stories kind of inspired by Octavia Butler's writing. Mm -hmm. And so just, just, I've been, my my mind is sort of already in that kind of like, um, not quite like, like in a, not quite like doomsday zombie apocalypse kind of mode, but like, there is a reality where there normal looks a lot less like we used to think it was. And it's a much more like, you know, downsized, less global, less resourced, you know, in that same, in this same way. And I have thought about that. Um, and for me, like that is more of a, um, I think about it in less of a like, oh, I'm worried about this experience happen. Like, what am I going to do if this experience happens? But more like, these are stories that I'm familiar with. And that like, when I feel a little bit unsure, uncertain, it's like, well, it's not like these are not, these are ideas are completely foreign to my experience or what I know. Like I've read these stories and people before me have thought about these, these futures. And so it's not too crazy that we might live them. And then I then on the other like more like pragmatic side, I do think about like what it would mean um, worst case scenario if um, um, you know for example school looks a lot different moving forward right like my daughter doesn't get to go to school in the same way that you know we did or you know community and socializing doesn't look the same way like I have thought about that and those ideas do certainly make me more sad but. Um, it's also, I try really hard to not dwell on that. Are you playing any, any games right now? Like board Um, games, digital games? Um, I'm only playing Candy Crush and, um, (laughs) (laughs) and Spades Online. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Time out. Candy Crush was like kind of big a minute ago and I never got into it. A long time ago. But let's, but just to be clear, isn't it just Tetris, but with candy? Very much so. Okay. So it's about shapes fitting into the right place to be efficient to clearing the board. Sort of. Yeah. And Spades is what? Spades is a cards game, but like, you know, like you've played spades before. Yes, but I've played many things before. And then I'm like, wait, how do you play it again? So how do you play spades Spades again? Spades is a a card game where you basically uh, need to, if you have like, you know, spades is the trump card. If you have the highest spades, the the high joker, the high number two spades or the the spades, king, queen, ace, etc., then you can, uh, those are basically the trump cards. And so each player there's, you play on teams and there's four players. Each player kind of plays a card. And if you have the highest card of the, of the suit that's laid, then you win that book. But if you don't have any of the suit of the, um, any cards of the suit that's played, then you can play a spade. Spade is the chump. Spade wins. The, and then whatever team has the most books at the end wins. So the, okay. Okay. So you're, but you're playing games that only on my early. Yes, but they are actually asking for the opposite of one another. So in Candy Crush, you have to get rid of everything. Mm -hmm. And in Spades, you have to consume. Mm -hmm. And the more you get, the more you win. Yeah. And I guess what I want to know about the game playing versus the book reading, because the book reading for me is like what you put in, right? Like it's, it's what you're learning. It's not actually what you're practicing, mm-hmm. but the game is about what are you practicing? It's like, um, so the books are about, and maybe you are familiar with this. As you get older, I think this happens more. You read about exercises you're supposed to do, uh, not just go jump in and do them. Uh, so, <laughs> so for me, reading the book is like, oh, let me get a book on um, how to stretch properly. And then yeah. you read that and you haven't done it yet. But yeah. then the game is the actual development of that skill and that ability uh, to do that. So yeah. right now you are reinforcing the skill of can I put things in the right place and get rid of things? Or can I have the most powerful, most important, most valuable asset that I can then use to collect all the things that I need in order to survive? Well, Spades so, is a game of strategy. Spades, is it Spades, now? Yeah, yeah. Spades is a game of like, you know, what? how are you going to use the cards that you have to get the most books? 
And Candy Crush, it's not about strategy? Uh, Candy Crush is a little bit more like, I don't know if it's about strategy because there's only so many moves that you can make. I can't believe we're talking about Candy Crush. (laughs) These are are folks. (laughs) Look, look, you're talking to me. This is what we're talking about. But here's here's the thing. Chess, as a game of chess, was created because it was supposed to be a way for these sort of soldiers, these um, you know fighters to practice being strategic in their moves and thinking several steps ahead and thinking of how they could win from multiple different angles at the same yeah. time, not just like the one way to win to win them all. That's and so, and so <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think that game playing right now, I have heard and I have read is like way up that right now people are playing board games. People are playing card games. People are playing games online. If you have an Apple phone, there's Game Pigeon and you're playing like tennis or pool or Uno, but they call it crazy eights, right? And you're playing this game as a way of interaction. But what I'm interested in is all this game playing for interaction. It's also helping us to develop particular strategic skills. And so all these things can apply in different places. And so maybe now we should get into the three questions okay so okay ready this season is about consumption okay the use of resources um buying something eating something um but it also includes the consumption of like apparel clothing shoes um uh, consumption of entertainment consumption of culture consumption of information right and it turns out that the opposite of consumption is development, what you build up, what you grow, what you improve over time. So question number two is about what have you been developing now and what did you develop before? But the first question is, let's talk about what you were consuming before the pandemic began and what do you find yourself consuming now? And is there at all a difference and why? Well, I think before the pandemic, I was consuming a lot of news, a lot of political news, a lot of um, just news in general. And that that had a lot to do with my um, day-to-day schedule. If I was in the car listening to NPR, if I was um, on my way in the airport, also listening to NPR, listening to podcasts, you know, catching up on the daily, you know, kind of news. Um, And then... Um, and then I was, I was also just, um, doing a lot of engaging with people. I was traveling a lot. So I was, you know, if you want to talk about consumption of like Mm -hmm. energy of people, right. Mm -hmm. Like I was, you know, talking to people and moving in and out. Um, and you know, I think like now it's, um, um, I'm, I think I'm consuming, le- I'm certainly consuming less news. Um, what, one, because I don't have the same like day to day routine where I'm listening to my shows in the car. Um, but also I think that the news is harder to consume right now, which is crazy to, it's, it's, it's interesting to think because the news is, is always really hard to consume with particularly, you know, right before the crisis. And I was working on the Warren campaign and she had just dropped out of the race. So all of that news was, you know, depressing in some ways, but even that, like the news now is just, it's, it's hard to hear both the death and the, the severity of the problem, but -hmm. then also the um, lack of competency in our political leadership on the federal level and how much that's causing harm to so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think like, I'm definitely consu- food wise, you know, I'm consuming a lot more home cooked meals mm-hmm. and a lot more meat. I wasn't eating very much meat before the um, um, pandemic, just because I, I don't, I think I feel better when I don't eat so much meat, but Mm -hmm. that also my partner cooks a lot of meat. He cooks the meat very well. And so like, that's the food that's (laughs) here. And it's cooked very well. Let's just make sure. If you're listening, if, if boo boo, if you're listening, you cook (laughs) very well, very well. Uh It's delicious. It's great. (laughs) 
So, so you wait, know, that's so wait, is that is that part. why is that why you're eating the meat? Because you mentioned two reasons maybe why you're eating more meat now than you did before. One, convenience. It is the new version yeah. of convenience. Instead of yeah. like on the go because you're traveling all the time and you're in these different spaces and you got to eat what they have. It is yeah. now convenient to eat what is already being made at home. And then two, exactly. it tastes good. And so are you yeah. finding yourself eating things that taste good rather than is good for you? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm also eating Oreos. I was not eating Oreos <laughs> before the pandemic. So uh-huh. Let's add that to the list. I was not well, eating. Let me ask you about your Oreo consumption. Um, when it comes to the Oreos, do how do you eat your Oreo? There are there are so many different ways one could. Do you separate it? Um, do you eat it whole? Do you dip it in milk? When you separate it, then do you eat the filling? What is your I Oreo consumption strategy? I take a bite and then I will um, sometimes smush down to let the cream kind of come out a little bit more. I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, like the, I like the two pieces together. <laughs> you don't separate them and eat them? No. Noir does that. Noir um, eats the filling first. Finally. Finally, somebody yeah. who's eating it properly. Thank you. And, and also, about, about Noir, the small child who lives in your home, um, mm-hmm. I think you once told me that you consumed listening to so much news at home that she does the sound of the intro to BBC World News. Does she yeah. not? In the car, right? So she she hears that in the car, and it's the 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 um um the ding at the end of their um their intro. No, I'll just be in the back of the car, like boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's She's so so. It's yes. It's that familiar. It's played that often, and I, you know, you're not the first person. Um, and you're not the first parent to talk to me about what used to happen in the car as like a whole family and individually, right? Like not everybody, um, because there are some cities, including DC where you're at, um, where you get on public transportation, the bus, the Metro, the BART, um, you know, what have you. And that is different. That's a different sort of, you know, transit interaction with news, with people. Um, But when you're in the car, it's like, it's a moving home, you know? So like, you've got the sound, you've got more people in it and it takes more time. So you can like really get into something. Um, I actually, I don't know if you heard this, but if you're interested, um, you should hear the episode from last season with Kimmy because Mm -hmm. she has this story where um, her youngest was like, we're going on a road trip. And they're like, we cannot get on a road trip. And she's like, I haven't heard my audio storybook in weeks. We have to go. So the whole family got in the car that was parked in the driveway the entire time. And she had hand-drawn these pictures with tape for folks to put up on the windows. And she's like, now we're going by the ocean. And then she'd give them more papers. Now we're going by the mountains. Oh, that's so sweet. Yes, with the dog even. And they were in their car listening to the audiobook for like an hour oh, driveway. That's so sweet. And and right now, what we're not doing is consuming gas. Yes. Right? Because we're not in the cars, the things aren't happening. Um, do you miss your car? Do I you do. miss this? I, 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 and it's so interesting because I was feeling like I'm sick of driving, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, being over it. But, um, <clears throat> now that I, you know, I'm not doing it so much, I definitely miss my car. I think that, you know, I miss, um, I've had to go to the grocery store a few times. Mm-hmm. So I have been in my car, but like recently. So it's, but I, I do miss the, the, ability to move where and go where I want to. And that's part of the reason why I have a car, right? Because in DC, you know, we do have access to the Metro, but um, once, you know, I had a kid, it was kind of like, yeah. And also I'm not going to be able to move and go to the places that we need to with the child if I didn't have this car mm-hmm. um, or at least not in the same way. And so it was really about the freedom. And so I missed the freedom that my car brings me or gives me, I feel. When did you get your driver's license? 
I didn't get my driver's license until I was 18, like right before I went to college. And did you get a car then as well? Or did you have access to a car? I did have access to a car. My sister and I shared a car. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I remember getting my license on my 16th birthday, uh-huh. ditching, ditching school with my parents' consent, getting the, getting the license, being in the car. And, you know, I had two older sisters, so I had seen this happen before and I was just waiting my turn Yeah. for exactly what you just said, freedom. Yeah. You know, like the freedom to go and, yeah. and more importantly, the freedom to play whatever I wanted to play at whatever <laughs> volume I wanted to play it in the car. So yeah. when you went to the store um, recently under yeah. the pandemic, yes. what were you playing in the car? Was it the news? It actually, it was, it was like, I just oh. wanted to listen to the vibe. Like, I'm just like, wow, this is an experience that was so familiar to me. And, mm-hmm. now, and then like, and then I remembered like, oh, I love listening to it. <laughs> and I should do that in my house. I could do that in my house. I don't have to be in the car. Yeah. Um, but it's, there's something about it. That's not quite the same. Yeah. I, um, I drove myself, I did something new for the first time ever. I drove myself to chemo this last Friday alone oh, wow. Oh, wow. and drove myself home. And um, it's because, you know, no one can go in with me now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I have control over nothing now. And so driving is like the one thing where yeah. I can have control. So I'm like, no. I'm going alone and I blared the music and the sunroof was open and the windows were down both ways on the way there and on the way back. And, um, and I, I felt a a little bit of, I don't know. It was a a little bit of like, ah, yes, I remember this. And, um, and I don't know, I'm starting at the moment is starting for me where the things that I used to consume um, I'm forgetting them. Or there are some things that I'm, I'm beginning to really miss, but I actually don't know that I'm missing them until I miss them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, is there anything that you don't, that you're not missing right now that you're like, I'm shocked that I'm not actually missing that. And you used to consume it, whether it's, you know, music, television, you know, books, news, food. Hmm. Like, are you buying the same amount of apparel, clothing? <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not buying the same amount of clothing. Um, but I also don't really, um, I don't like love shopping. You know, I just, I like to, I like to look cute. So like, I like to buy, I miss, I miss getting dressed, although I've started to get dressed more. So like, you know, if I, instead of, you know, I like, like getting dressed up, putting on an outfit. Um, I've started to do more of that because I'm realizing that I miss it. You know, like that's a part of my creative expression is like, you know. Indeed, because Angela wears glasses and she does not need them. Okay, <laughs> let me, let me, just, that, that is how you know it. Okay, that's how you know that somebody is really into. Committed to their, Yes, committed to it. <laughs> when they wear glasses and yeah. there's no prescription in them. That is commitment. That is commitment. Yeah. So I miss that, you know, and I think that, um, that's definitely something I'm, I miss, I just, I miss experience, you know, I miss experiencing things like, that's why like we go for walks a lot just to like feel the wind and like wave at fire trucks, like being around people. (laughs) I do. I miss, I miss experiencing people and, and, and interacting with them. And yeah. How would you define experience Mm. like what is an experience i think an experience i would say like to cause to feel to cause to feel so like to cause feeling yeah if i experience something it's something has caused me to feel something yeah i think i think that's a good one i mean the the standard ones don't don't allow me to really like feel connected to the definition. Like if I look online, it says practical contact with an, an obs and practical contact with and observation of facts or events. Mm -hmm. So it's, it has to be practical. It's observing 
facts or events. Yeah. Well, that's for the noun and the verb to encounter, right? So our experience, the verb is encounter or undergo an event or occurrence that has nothing to do with feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's to cause to feel something. Yeah. Or to, to create feeling. To right. 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 To cultivate feeling, mm-hmm. to have something to do with like seeding and seeing something, you know, grow in some sort of way. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Okay, so let's, let's, uh, let's pivot now to question two. What were you developing then before the pandemic? What was something that you were building up, that you were growing, that you were hoping to like see gradually improve over time before the pandemic? And are you still developing that now? Or are you developing new things? Yeah, I mean, well, one thing that just kind of stops, comes out of my mind is we were, um, so right before things kind of popped off with the pandemic and and people started to move into these stay-at-home orders, um, Senator Warren uh, dropped out of the presidential campaign. My group, Black Women 4, was supporting her, and we were doing a lot of work to um, try to get more folks to support her. And so we were kind of thinking after, you know, so after she dropped out and then in that week, I mean, March was just such a long month, by the way, but like in the weeks after that, you know, we were talking about, okay, so what do we want to do next? And we had already kind of been talking about this even before she officially dropped out. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that we wanted to do was um, to have some of these like debrief conversations and like conversations with recognizing that like, one of our main takeaways from the primary process is that um, our people, Black people, are with us on progressive issues. They are not with us on our candidates. They don't trust Black progressive candidates, and they aren't really trusting our progressive movements. And so what do we need to do to bridge the gap? And so we were talking about having some of these kind of like debrief, doing more meetups like we did in the summer, um, but around this like sort of like, okay, so reflecting on the primary and also thinking about how do we bring more black folks into progressive um, um, movements, not just progressive movements, but to like trusting progressive candidates and fighting for progressive issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, 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 you know, we were just kind of starting those conversations and, you know, and then, you know, folks kind of obviously went into their isolation and we haven't, that work hasn't necessarily moved forward. It doesn't mean that it won't be moving forward in the future, but um, a lot of our folks, a lot of folks' focus have just has shifted to um, making sure that people in their community have their needs met right now, um, you know, focusing on supporting mutual aid efforts, um, different advocacy campaigns to get, you know, relief from the government. Um, and so that is something that was in development that's um, not, is on a little bit of a pause and maybe a different trajectory. I mean, there have been a few things that I've thought about that if things had just been like two weeks, three weeks, one month different, that so many things would have changed and come out, you know, potentially a different way. So for example, you know, uh, Senator Warren dropped out of the presidential race, Bernie Sanders dropped out of the presidential race and all these primaries, um, you know, were happening Um, right before the pandemic and the things that we were talking about um, in the democratic party between the candidates are so about uh, healthcare yeah um, wages um you know parental leave yeah protecting workers parental leave taking care of each other like so much of the campaign was about uh, amongst all the candidates how much care should the government provide yeah. And what does that care look like? Yeah. And that was the debate. Like who was responsible for our welfare? And yeah. I don't mean welfare as in, you know, um, really? state sanctioned welfare. I mean, welfare in the bigger sense of like our, our well-being, you know? Yeah. And what do you think would have happened if COVID-19 would have hit the United States the way it is right now a month earlier? Do yeah. you think Senator Warren still would have um, 
backed out? Um, would she have started to say different things? Would Biden even have a chance? Like, I know, like, why are we talking about this? Because that's not where we're at. But it, it does beg the question about yeah. timing yeah. and and how timing is so connected to particular kinds of development. Do you think it would have made any difference? I do. I mean, I think that the conversation about the conversation we're having about healthcare right now, and also um, particularly employer-based healthcare, mm-hmm. and the the conversation that we're having about work and valuing of work and protecting workers is just it, it it's it's so close to. I mean, and I think that we would the conversation would be different. I think the primary would be different. And I think that what these like bailout measures are looking like would be a lot different too, right? Mm-hmm. Because if if Senator Sanders and Senator Warren were still in the presidential campaign and, you know, they had to be in Washington, D.C. trying to fight for money to deal with the pandemic, right? they would have a lot more power, a lot more leverage to push for these really, really progressive ideas because they'd have their whole campaign mechanism fighting for it. You know what I mean? So like, and they would have the perception of presidential candidates fighting for these issues. So yeah, a lot of things would have been different for sure. But do you remember that the last democratic debate between Biden and Sanders was in a space that had no audience? Yeah. Right. So just like also how would all of the races, everything had already been the writing had already been on the wall, you know? Yeah. I just I wonder how much the debates, the earlier debates would have changed, too, if you don't have the energy there in, in the room. And and the other thing is that this is what I find super interesting when it was Bernie Sanders and Warren, um, the two uh, more progressive left candidates were in there. The right was beginning to, you know, start to practice their drumming about socialism and communism. And and that is exactly what was happening in the the last week of protests um, by folks who are, you know, yelling. There's a a, a classic picture right now that is sort of like capturing the moment, right? The nurse crossed arms blocking a car from being able to block the hospital, which has been one of the the current, you know, um, tactics uh, of organizing um, from the right is to block hospitals and carry um, AK-47s. So as they're talking about freedom and rights to live their life, they are endangering the lives of other people, right? So while that's happening, um, the image just shows this woman yelling outside her car, but it's part of a video and the audio has this woman yelling outside of her car, if you want this, you should go to China. This is communism. And if you want communism, you should go to China. And she's yelling at this to the nurse. The nurse? Yes. Wow. Right? So so this idea of like socialism and communism um, wow. is only being connected to the idea of like a fascist state where the government is telling you what to do. Not, not that the not government is providing. To make sure that you have health care and yeah. protection when you're at work? And no. Oh. I mean, it's, it's really, really, really intense. Fascinating. And, and so it's, yeah. it's an interesting time. And then, you know, when the pandemic first started, um, I remember I was sitting at breakfast and I said to my partner, Emily, and I said, oh my God, I just had the most wild thought. And she was like, oh, here we go again, Felicia and her wild thoughts. What was it this time? And I said, if we were just three weeks earlier, like the first, the first case of, of COVID-19 that um, happened in China happened on November 17th. Mm. Kobe Bryant died on January 26th. And my wild thought in the kitchen was if we had started to do things in place to prevent interaction, to shelter in place, to do these kinds of things, we wouldn't have been dead. Kobe wouldn't have died because Kobe wouldn't have been taking his child and other players to a basketball game. Wow, 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 wow. So like these are these are the kinds of wild thoughts that I'm having about literally how every minute, every hour, every day has such a drastic and intense capacity right now to affect things. And it always did, P.S., right? Like it always had that kind of impact, but it just feels like right now things have slowed down in such a way, kind of in that like Matrix movie moment where the slowdown allows you to see how every little tiny thing is so connected in a way that when you speed it up, 
you can't see it because it's going too fast. Mm. I mean, have you, now that I've shared this with you, are, are you thinking of like anything else where like just a couple of days, a couple of minutes, a couple of seconds difference could have made such a different moment? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to think like, 2020 has already been so historic and so impactful um and like the 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 death of Kobe Bryant it's just like so many that in and of itself really took up and holds so much space I feel like in the history of this moment and then on top of that this crisis that's happening I don't know I just I think that um I can't think of anything that I, I am kind of stuck on the idea of like, if only we were sheltering place earlier, you know, but I, I do feel like if we had more, um, if we hadn't like the progressive political power really kind of went out of the air after Super Tuesday. And if we had had a stronger, you know, if, if, if we were fighting the for the corona the covid the covid-19 response right mm -hmm. in january instead of doing the impeachment stuff right because oh. remember that was also happening oh. earlier this year right so if we were if we were doing the the covid response and stuff instead of um, an impeachment thing and not that like the impeachment thing should necessarily not have happened but i'm just saying like you know, th that that may have also not been, um, maybe the impeachment thing would have push, been pushed later to the summer. I don't know. Right. And, and, and the impeachment hearings and the impeachment process ending when it did really yeah. gave, really gave, you know, 45 and the Trump campaign a surge in like, yeah. we've, we've got this, we can do things like literally everything that happened on a given day has such an influence yeah. on what's going to happen the next day. Mm -hmm. And when I think about all these things that we're referring to impeachment hearings, campaigns, um, debates, uh, all these different kinds of, I mean, the Trump rallies, yeah. you know, like other political rallies, all these different moments, um, including uh, Kobe Bryant's um, passing and the, the memorial of it. Yeah. These were places where people gathered together in massive groups to consume either information, to have experiences. These were all experiences, right? Experiencing the testimony, experiencing the conversations, um, experiencing the evidence being presented or lack thereof or the counter argument or experiencing collective grief. Do you know how many thousands of people went to the Staples Center in Los Angeles? Yeah. I mean, and where are things being hit really hard right now? Los Angeles, as well as New York, right? And so, and in New York, there was the consumption of theater and, and you know, music and concerts and art. I mean, all these things, the, the economy of experience is the thing that is taking the biggest hit right yeah. now, right? Mm -hmm. And the last time I saw you in the same physical place, Mm -hmm. was also right at the early stages yes. of this. And I remember having to go out and get snacks and deliberately define the instructions to get an, a regular big bag of chips and instead electing for the individually wrapped packages of chips. Because I was like, I ain't getting yeah. sick. <laughs> yes. Yes. But imagine, imagine, you know, um, what would have happened to even us in our collective organizing and, and community spaces and training groups if one of us had been sick and all of us now had been somehow, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is, so, so let me ask you this. Are you currently right now um, organizing or working in spaces that are trying to continue to convene people together for a shared experience? And what does that look like? What are some of the challenges to, continuously trying to create moments of experience when we can't physically be together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I, I definitely am um, still in that process. One of the things I'm, excuse me, one of the things I'm doing is um, I was supposed to do a training on um, front loading a um, mass popular movement with the momentum um, community. And it was supposed to be in Boston 
uh, and take place at the end of March. Um, obviously, you know, we were all sheltering place then. So they've been doing, they opted to do the training virtually over a week period um, and like kind of just like splitting it up. So that's been interesting to observe how they're still training material, doing a gathering in that way. Um, and, you know, it's, it's certainly not the same, you know, when you go to a training like that, you know, when we do the AT and the advanced training and things like that, you, you, you build part of the goal is to build community by being around each other. And so that's a, uh, a part that's lost, but it is interesting to see the way, the way that, um, groups are able to experiment with doing online training. And then, you know, I'm also, you know, a part of groups that are planning for in the future when we think we will be able to be more together. Um, when do you think you'll be able to be more together? <laughs> I mean, you know, it, different groups have different ideas. You know, one group has was talking about planning something for end of July. Um, another group that I'm with, we're talking about, you know, not a huge gathering, but, you know, maybe like 20 to 30 people in mid-August. Um, and so just like, you know, just thinking about potentially putting that on the calendar and knowing that we may actually have to completely push all of that back another three months. How does that feel? Like, how do those dates feel? Like you said those dates and I had a lot of feelings, <laughs> but, but I kept them quiet. Yeah. Um, and, and even just you saying them, like, you know, yeah. I, I was watching your facial expression as you were saying them and you said them very slowly. July, <laughs> August, almost like with hesitance, you know, like, uh, like, so, so what do you think about those dates? Do you think end of July, August is, I is think doable? August more doable than end of July. Um, I am also really just hoping, honestly, I'm really, really hoping I am not doing well not being around people i don't enjoy it at all i miss my friends i miss mm. people that i don't even like uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, i miss people that i don't even like i miss you i miss everybody i miss all y'all everybody and so you know i'm also hoping a lot but um yeah it would be it would be I think that the the dates give me hope. Um, and then also just, I am pretty nervous about what, how, how we're going to be able to be, what it's going to be like when we're together again. Are we going to be comfortable being together again? Are we going to feel, you know, safe hugging each other? Are we going to feel safe sitting next to each other? Are we always going to feel like we need to be six feet apart, you know, and like, that is what I'm most nervous about. Not that we'll never be able to see each other again. Like that doesn't seem true, but like what is together again going to actually look like? Have you ever before the pandemic, when we didn't have these kinds of national and global restrictions, have you ever experienced, <laughs> experienced, um, sorry, I'm just noticing how much the word experience is really playing out here. Um, have you ever had an experience in your life where you had to restrict your contact, your um, being near, your proximity to people or things for the sake of your safety and mm. their safety? Mm. The closest thing I could think about is like when I had chicken pox. <laughs> Yes, go on. When was this? But even but even that was like my sister and I had to get chicken pox at the same time. So it was like actually my mom was like, You all need to be by each other so that you can get like I think she got it and then my mom wanted us me to be next to her so I could get it at the same time as her. But then we all Oh whoa, yeah, wait, so your mom your mom was encouraging yeah, the, the passing the on the danger. Yeah. She was pa she wanted to encourage the danger right. because ultimately that would do what? It would give me. It would make sure that I could get it at the same time that she had, and they could take care of us at the same time. But then also, once you get chicken pox, then you're supposed to be immune to it, so then you can't get it again. I got it three times. Keep going. Wow. Um, and then 
Yeah. So, but then we also like couldn't be around other kids because we had chicken pox. Couldn't be around our friends. And and what was that like? Did you did you miss your friends? You at least had your sister. I did right, but I she and she she was my best friend, so it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I, I was with my bestie, so it was all good. I mean, the thing with chicken pox much like we're learning with COVID is about the virality, right? So you said, you know, get it, get it once. Cause then you won't, you won't get it again. We don't know what happens right. with COVID-19. Right. In, in fact, right. we're starting to hear the stories about people who had it, it again. Yeah. And they're getting it again. Right. Um, and to my point of, I had the chicken pox three times. I wonder if, if it's similar in that I had the chicken pox three times because the first two times it was light. You know, like I had it, but it wasn't all over my body. The third time I had it, it was in places that I didn't even know you could have a chicken puck, like inside the belly button, inside the layers of the ear, in between the toes. You know, like, oh, Angela's making a face, by the way, right now that is very disturbed. That is not how you had the chicken pox? No, ma'am. Then you might get them again. So, so the thing is, you have to get it really bad in order to build up enough of an immunity to not get them again. What if we have to get COVID-19 really bad? That's what I'm saying, right? And so, and there are some people who are carriers, right? They have it, but they show no symptoms, right? So like all this could be really interesting because what we're seeing is that development, like a strong development sometimes has to do with how strong your exposure is. You know, and so there's something to like the exposure, which is why I asked you deeply about the games that you're playing, because it seems like there's a lot of exposure to strategy. And so, you know, that ends up playing out in different places. It's not shocking to me that direct action organizers play games that are about strategy. And I wonder what happens. Um, Like, I wonder if if the right plays particular games that are the same games or are different games or something. I mean, I like to think that the opposition is definitely playing a game and that they're losing. Um, but I mean, yeah. ah, this is, this is rough. So, so here's the third question Okay. for people who are listening right now, or for people who might be listening in the future, where there might be another pandemic or there might be less pandemics because we really got it right at some point right now. What would you say is your recommendation, your advice to what should people be consuming right now? What should people be developing or what shouldn't people be consuming? What shouldn't people be developing? I think that people should be consuming or developing um, stories about the world that they want to see. And this is actually something that I want to do and I'm going to encourage, I'm encouraging myself and others even to do now. Um, it, you know, this is, I think, kind of like I said at the end of the last um, ep- or the last season is that, you know, this is, this is going to change things um, across the board in our society period, the end moving forward. Like this is a, 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 a transformative moment. Um, and so what do we want the future transformative future to be? And so I think developing, consuming stories that inspire that future thinking and then developing stories and developing visions and even developing whatever your jam is, if it's like policy or money or art or food or, you know, anything, whatever your jam is, what, what, how do you, how, how can we live that in a transformed world? Um, and, and then just like, hold on to that idea. Cause I think like, even if, you know, we don't get to that, you know, complete revolution type thing, at the very least we have those ideas and those seeds planted for us. I love this. I mean, I think, I think when times get really dark, I hear a lot of a lot of my older family members like make references to biblical stories that they then say, see, see. And I think, you know, you started out our, our interview, you know, talking about Octavia Butler 
and and a lot of the like see see so i feel like we need to create something the stories like you said of the kind of world we want to be in so that we know what to look for when we get there and we know what to make in order to make that a reality and um and i so i have one last question for you as a follow-up if you could meet with people in july or august but you have to like wear a whole suit and, and a plastic shield and wear gloves and a mask and do all these things to protect yourself and protect them, but you can still be together. Would that be enough? I don't think so. I don't, cause to me that feels like a, uh, a cost barrier. Like if you to like whether or not to me, it feels like a, not enough of the people that I would want to have access to be able to be with would have access to that kind of equipment and that kind of thing. And so it would, and not even to say that it wouldn't be available, but just like, yeah, I, I, I would prefer if, 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 if the risk is that high that we had to be that protected, then I would prefer that we keep each other safe enough by still staying at home. So there's an image that I've worked on at work and I know you've seen it, which is these three individuals of different heights and they're on one side of a fence and they're trying to see a baseball game. You're saying um, no apple crate boxes for people to step on is going to be enough. I want the whole, the whole wall down. Yeah anything like don't even let's not even bother right now with trying to fight for the apple crates that we can then stand on if you require those to see over the fence that is not worth the work right now let's focus on how do we take down the barriers completely right because my thing is it would be to whatever resources that we would need to generate those that those enough crates, enough boxes, or enough protective gear. Let's just focus on like making sure that everybody has enough to eat, that everybody is, you know, because it's it's not going to be that. Yeah, I think that let's just focus on making sure that we can all be safe together and that people are okay as we're trying to find a vaccine and treatment or at least get exposures down, you know, um, as opposed to let's have a few of us have this like super, super protective equipment. Yeah. I mean, and, and to the point that we had earlier, because every second, every minute and every day counts and can have a really intense impact. And if we are not conscious of that along the way, we could find ourselves doing things that, in hindsight, would have been the thing that could have made the major difference. So strategy, I guess I'm going to have to start to play uh, spades. I've been playing backgammon. It doesn't quite have the same appeal. All right. Well, Angela, um, I want to foreshadow to you what season three is going to be about. The next time we speak, I'm going to ask you to imagine that a movie, a song, um, a book, Um, a TV series is being made about the COVID-19 pandemic time. And the central character is you. Yes. (laughs) What, what would the name of that series or that book or that song be? And what would be the visual image that would be on like the cover or the promotional poster? So that is next season think about that um and uh and we'll talk soon thank you for sharing your experience uh with us you've been listening to been there done that to your pandemic survival podcast i'm your host felicia perez stay well and stay human